Hi everyone and welcome to Sonic Collective's November review of Def Leppard's album, Hysteria. I have the usual suspects with me here today, some of us eating apples. Uh, Darren and Alan are joining me from Calgary, and Scott C <laughs> is joining me from Thailand where Hello. fresh fruit is still in season. Uh, released in 1987, there's uh, a number of things about Hysteria that stand out for me as the band transitioned from their heavy metal sound into something more radio-friendly that really started to propel them into mainstream success in both the United Kingdom and North America. But, as usual, I'm super curious what everyone else thought first, so I'm going to start with the crew. I know I can count on Darren to go into the history of the album and the band, so let's start off with you and get your thoughts. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, that was, very, that was a very technical introduction with Apples, but... Um... I know. Yeah, right? you know, Very for me, I, I, and I like this. I'm a few years older than uh, most of you guys, and I like that. I vividly, very vividly, remember this album coming out and what a big deal it was. And I remember the delays, and I remember being at Myron's nightclub in Charlottetown, PEI, and uh, at the dry bar because you had to be 19, but then Sunday nights you get in. And my <laughs> girlfriend at the time, Ann Prosper, like I remember, like pour some sugar on me. Would come on, she's like, I love this show. And just go nuts. Wow. And then Dirty Dancing was big at the time. They'd be trying to like, dirty dance, pour some sugar. And that's 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 how I remember this. But in all seriousness, it's uh, I, I mean, this is an epic album uh, for that age. And really, the sound uh, it, it it does still it's quite produced, and they're very upfront about that, and that's what they try to do. I mean, that's just commonplace now. But that sound for the time was quite new. Like, not too many people were doing that. They would you know, double track the vocals, which is just, you know, you're just recording yourself twice or three times and you get the choir effect that it just sounds better when you do that. But uh, they were actually adding like vocal effects and doing some, uh, you know, voice modulation and, and all that fun stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, really uh, a very interesting album. Uh, it was, uh, was it their third one? Is that right? I should know that from me. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Right after Pyromania. Yep. That sounds right. Pyromania was definitely yeah, good one. And I mean, post uh, uh, post accidents. I mean, all these tragedies happened to, to before this uh, album was able to be released. All these delays. Rick Allen losing his arm, and Joe Elliott got really sick. And uh, Mutt Lang was the producer, and he was in a car accident. He wasn't even the original producer. It was supposed to be some dude from uh, uh, Meat who produced Meat Loaf. I'm forgetting his name, but I don't like Meat Loaf. Some wanker. Um, yeah, and it didn't work out. Okay. The band tried to produce themselves, but it just went on and on and on. It cost a bloody fortune, which is, uh, I think it cost $5 million at the time, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that was like unheard of time back then. And it just meant that they, I think they had to sell 12 million albums or something like that to break. <laughs> yeah, like that, like they, they, basically if it wasn't a huge hit like they wanted to be, they were screwed. So, well, it sold 25, so it turned out all right in their favor. They did yeah, okay. They did okay. Um, you know, I really liked it. I liked it all. You know, some of the, some of the songs are a little better than others for me. And I mean, it is very poppy. I, I, I mean, it kind of came out as a metal album. And I got a kick out of, I heard when they released it, that uh, they released Women as the single in Canada and the U.S. because they knew it was a big metal crowd there. Uh, and they didn't think they'd be accepting it as a pop song. And I think, was it an animal that they released? Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But they, it was a different Yeah, 
interesting. And I mean, uh, they, they had a lot of Jews uh, off there. Pretty much over half the album was, was a single, for sure, which is unusual for yeah, the time. Really. All right. Hey, guys, what has seven arms and sucks? <laughs> Just. Uh-oh. <laughs> Def Leppard, but actually. Uh... <laughs> I didn't make that joke, and I completely disagree with it. I love Def Leppard. Uh, I'm going to issue just a minor correction here. You guys were trying to figure out which album this was. This was actually their fourth studio album. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me why I remembered that little piece of trivia, but... Uh, Fire the fact checker. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so this album and I have a long relationship. I don't know why, but when I was in high school, I just kind of got into this whole 80s music, uh, 80s hair metal phase that never really fell out of favor with me. So... I've, uh, I've listened to this track many, many times in my life. And at one point, and this is maybe getting hilariously personal, I even wanted to lose my V card to the song Hysteria. And Oh, really? Yeah. yeah uh, no comment on... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That did not happen. Uh, the soundtrack was more like apologies, but... Like you still yeah. haven't lost your V card? Well, I was about to say, you still have the chance, Alan. <laughs> It's now hey, streaming now. on most services. Hey, trying, buddy. You'll find <laughs> that's right. I know. <laughs> With the same mullet as you. And that's how you'll know it's true love. Oh, indeed. Anyway, um, so yeah, I I didn't even notice how long this album was. It was funny that you mentioned that, Darren, uh, that it was a, a long one. Because that's something I, uh, I tend to take note of when we're doing these reviews. But I think I just like this album so much that it didn't didn't phase me. And the other weird thing about that, and this is kind of my only real critique, is that a lot of the songs kind of sound the same. Like, no, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just <laughs> me. But yeah. They just kind of you don't know. Like if if you didn't know which track was which, if you weren't fairly well familiar with it, and you weren't paying much attention, you were just kind of listening through, you might not know that you're actually listening to a completely new track. You know. Um, but the formula works and I think it worked pretty well in this case, because how many, how many singles and radio hits did this one album spawn like seven or something like that? So, yeah, so many singles you know, are... clearly the formula worked. I think, um, for, for my money, my favorite songs are animal rocket and, uh, and hysteria, of course, because it's just so damn romantical. <laughs> um, that's but yeah, the baby maker. That's the baby maker. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, let's throw it over to Scott Coates. See what he thinks. Can we still have Scott Coates? Um, Scott, are you with hello? us? That's that's okay. I, I can jump in for a second, and I'm sure he'll click back. Hey on guys, can you guys hear me? Him. Sure. Oh, oh, hey, hey, hey there you yeah. are. And there we're back. I'm sorry, you guys got to cut it out. I could hear everything you were saying. Okay. In he he no, was busy losing his virginity three, to hysteria. No. Yeah, so to echo some of your points, Darren, I remember this coming out uh, a summer before I went back to Prince Edward Island to work at Cow's oh, Ice nice. Cream and hearing like Animal and Pour Some Sugar on Me there and just rocking out. Like I loved this album too. I was going to the roller rink then. This was just an absolutely huge one. Um, yeah, I mean – 25 million copies, seven singles. That's what I remember about it too, is it was just single after single after single. And kind of listening, I mean, I still listen to Animal and Pour Some Sugar on Me regularly, at least once a month probably. But listening to the whole album, I was kind of surprised how many samples and like electronic computer type samples and stuff. It was almost like they were really trying to, you know, be facing into the future. I find it incredible that Pour Some Sugar on Me was the fourth single on this thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. listening to it as an entire album i find women kind of an odd opener like it you know it's just sort of mid-paced you couldn't really dance to it but yeah it sort of opens an album i suppose as an album and an album concept is supposed to at an hour and three minutes i know i always go on about the time i think it's about three to four songs too long like i think you could easily drop gods of war don't shoot shotgun excitable and you'd still have a, a really good album those ones just kind of didn't do much excitable actually i thought is a real oddball it almost could have been like a huey lewis song like i really thought it was so much popular than the other stuff and love and affection at the end i think is literally a collection of all the chords and riffs from all the other songs put into one <laughs> song at the end i i was doing yeah, something i heard it and i'm like hang on is this is this a collection like an extra track of the samples from the other songs? And I'm like, no, this is a song. Um, you're saying it sounds the same. And I think that's one of the, the big things about the producer, right? Uh, who's the producer again? Mutt Lang? Yeah, is, is like Lang. he will give bands their absolutely biggest album, but at a cost of reducing you to one sound like Shania Twain, Come On Over, The Woman and Me, like mega sellers, but every song sounds the same. Brian Adams, Waking Up the Neighbors, his biggest album, same thing, man. He got the drum and guitar sounds dialed in. ACDC, Black and Black, incredible album. But I mean, Mutt Lang will get you your biggest uh, album, but I think at the for especially a band like Def Leppard at the the kind of cost of like, okay, you guys now sound exactly like this. But I mean, overall, incredible album. Like, it just reminds me of those summers. I mean, there's no doubt half a dozen great songs on it. Um, like I said, I think there's three or four on there that are filler and it could be a little bit shorter. But yeah, I mean, this is a solid trip into the late 80s and, and one of the biggest albums of the 80s. Right? This thing was just gargantuan. And I remember hearing it everywhere at all times. And yeah, it was a behemoth. And I enjoyed listening to it again. So throwing over to, uh, is it Scott Gregory, the only one that hasn't commented? Yeah, unless uh, I know, uh, Darren, yeah. did you uh, have anything yeah, else you wanted to add in? You're, you're about to jump sure, in. Sure, yeah, yeah. Sure, I mean, you I did sparked a few things. Yeah, I have done that. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. And speaking <laughs> of that, I highly recommend... 
<laughs> Sky Pilots by Tantalus. By the way, we have a new sponsor. <laughs> the good people at the 420 Premium Market. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, Jim, Jim Steinman was Meatloaf's producer. I forgot that. And, and when you're talking about Mutt Lang, but notoriously, and as a Canadian, what Mutt Lang is known for is he freaking married Shania Twain and then pulled the old switcheroo and then basically cheated on her with her best friend. Ouch. Classic. Ouch. What? Take that, Shania Twain. Sounds like a Def Leppard. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, yeah, and another thing, too, uh, when they were doing naming the album and stuff, I guess apparently it was uh, Rick Allen's idea. He was named after the hysteria of all the media after his accident. Uh, but originally they wanted to call it Paranoia or Animal Instincts, and apparently the art was going to be some kind of meshing of an eagle lion shark animal creature thing there you go there's there's some factoids for you i've i've read that graphic yeah 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 and then the other thing i heard and uh they said too and uh, the poured some sugar was a throw-in apparently they wasn't going to be on the album it was like the last 10 days they did it uh 10 days before rap and they just kind of threw it in and 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 that song and there's a few others are like heavily they, they felt they were almost like country songs and if it's just like Lover's like a bone, baby, come on, get it on. Living like a lover with a rain air phone. Looking like a tramp, like a video fam. Demolition woman can't be your man. Pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like it, they really... If I had a jug, I would be totally... But, I, you know, the next time, if you listen to it again, and you will, think of almost the old town road <laughs> and think about that when you hear it, and you'll be like, it does sound like that. Yeah, like they basically were... It was basically rap and country. You know what? And and I feel that because anytime I hear Battery by Metallica, I honestly got think it's a, a polka. Yeah. So I can see how that Everybody happens. Everybody polka. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's all I have, Scott. Wait, yeah, tell us your kind of thoughts on it all. Yeah. So, I mean, I echo some of what you guys were, were saying. For, for me, I was 12 when it came out. So it's at an age where I was listening to a lot of music, but I didn't have like a huge amount of buying power. But I was sitting in a radio station with my mom uh who was the country music director there but i'd get left in the record room so there was tons of stuff so i had access to the singles but never really listened to the album right but i mean 87 is a crowded year the joshua tree came out for you too bad by michael jackson appetite for destruction dropped uh faith by george michael actually by the pet shop boys i was on a huge pet shop boys picks like whitney by whitney houston like and then obviously hysteria it was just a crazy, crazy year for, for music. And the singles were all over the place for me, too, even on my little French school Air Force Base experience, right? And um, I'm with you guys. Uh, first, Alan, you said something where they all sound the same. Uh, I think that's true of the B-tracks. I really feel that, right? But I feel like maybe the top four singles, the, they just have such a signature sound to them, like Pour Some Sugar On Me, animal love bites because it's you know it's even a different pace all of those a hundred percent i think stand out from the crowd and so even though it obviously sounds like def leopard i don't think they sound the same yeah right? but i agree fair. with you and that kind of leads into what scott said where you could just chop off the last three four songs i don't really like don't shoot shotgun although it did very well uh so it would just cut off like the last third of this album i think it would be just a powerhouse uh, of like the basically the eight tracks seven eight tracks that they listed as singles i thought women was a really weak lead-in on this as well too um 
I didn't really like that song. And so when I first started listening to the album the first time, I almost like, uh, you know, kind of going to raise the curtain here. We listen to the albums before we, uh, we decide whether we're going to recommend them for the month or not. That way we make sure we don't like let a clunker through kind of thing. So on my initial listen, uh, I almost aborted first song. I was like, holy crap, what's going on here kind of thing. But uh, then I soldiered through Women and the rest of the album, uh, the middle part at least, was, was really good. So, um, yeah, I think Pour Some Sugar On Me, I was surprised it only took a month for them to make that that single. And it makes me wonder what happened with the, uh, the other B-sides. How long did they spend on them and come out as clunkers, right? But... Um, yeah, I, I'm not as big a fan of Armageddon it. I don't know why, because that's another big one. Like my sister is a, a total glam rock kind of um, 80s child, and she's absolutely wild about that song, but I just can't get into it. Um, I think my favorite song, if I had to pick one, I don't know, I'm really torn. I like Pour Some Sugar On Me, but I feel like that's like, the low-hanging fruit, I think Animal, yeah, I like animal. just because the, cor- mm. the chorus on it is just so amazing with that progressive guitar riff and, and the lyrics and the backing vocals and everything like that. Uh, it just takes the cake for me. It's probably my favorite Def Leppard song, actually, now that I'm really convincing myself of it. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, uh, about it. Throw I some thought, scores in there, guys. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott, while you're talking. Me like Scott. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I'd probably give it, you know, like, uh, did it influence me at the time? The singles did, but but not the album itself. So I'd maybe give it a three and a half for that. Uh, what I recommend, I'd have to give it a five. It's you, you have to listen to this album. Um, and then overall, four, four and a half, probably four and a half, I'd say. If, he, if he'd stopped... Before you hit the last three songs, it's a four and a half. If you uh, if you listen to the whole thing, it's a four for me. But a very happy four. <laughs> awesome, Alan. What about you? All right, yeah. So for me, this absolutely influenced my taste. Um, I think this was kind of the gateway drug into '80s kind of hair metal and and pop metal that kind of dominated that era. So five out of five for influence. Uh, and I would also 100% recommend this album to everybody. So again, five out of five. And overall, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. The only reason I'm not giving it a full five is because some of these B tracks you could totally do without. Um, I mostly agree with you guys about getting rid of the, the last three songs, except what you fail to remember is that track 10 is the titular track, hmm. Hysteria. So if we swap out Hysteria wow, for wow. Woman, then I think we, uh, we're we in good shape here. So, yeah, fantastic. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. Uh, influence, I have to give it a four. I'm sure uh, back then in the late 80s, yeah, that propelled me on to. I also remember Permanent Vacation by Aerosmith kind of coming on the scene then. And and I probably just started to listen oh, to like a lot yeah. more kind of hair metal and that. So it definitely kind of influenced me at that age. Uh, recommend it. I'll give it a five. Like, I mean, I think if people want to understand the biggest albums of the 80s of any genre, let alone kind of, yeah, that p- 
pop rock, not hair metal. It's a five. Overall, I give it a four. Only again, because those we all say it, those three or four tracks where if they had just left Don't Shoot Shotgun, Gods of War, and I think Excitable off, like you'd have a 45-minute incredibly tight package. But incredible album, yeah. great uh, time trip. And I mean, holy, that's is there ever going to be an album with seven singles again? Probably not, right? <laughs> so it, yeah, it's a... Yeah, yeah. That's is a there good, ever I mean, going to be an album? Just in that concept, <laughs> yeah. like I remember too, looking at the art, like looking at that album cover, trying to figure out like what it is, what is this, what's going on here, and it just being such a huge moment. That year or two belonged to Def Leppard. Darren Scott. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for me, I mean, uh, I, I, I was fours across the board, and I think only because I, I love the album. I think it's awesome. Um, I think some of the same things is like, yeah, some of the songs could be left off and it is, it is very poppy. And at that time too, I was a little more heavier. I, I was, you know, I love my hair metal, but I was starting to go more like Metallica and things like that, which were a little harder. Um, mm. so, uh, I'll just, I'll just say that it's pro that it's probably not for everyone, but it is pretty catchy and easy to listen to, but yeah, I, you know, fours right across the board there. So yeah, awesome album and high scores from all of us. Definitely a, a classic pop rock icon of the 80s, which is my jam. Yeah, one last fact to it before we go. Did you know, too, when they were writing and just hanging out uh, in the same town? I think they were somewhere in Ireland. I forget the exact place. But at the same time, they would meet up at the pub usually after, and Spando Ballet was there doing the same thing. And they totally became buddies, <laughs> and like they would crush beers together and talk about the album. So Spando Ballet actually what? has kind of helped them sometimes. And they even did a chari charity soccer, well, football game while they were doing that in that local town to kind of give back a bit. So there's a little interesting thing. That would be oh, surreal awesome. to watch Def, Def Leppard versus Def Spando Def Ballet <laughs> to the death. Yeah. That's right. Loser loses an hour. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, uh, you want to take us out? Yeah. Uh, is the, well, we'll, we'll just pretend the new pick isn't up yet. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, this has been a nice palate cleanse back into some, some 80s bebopping. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. Join us every month. The new pick will be up soon for December. Who was picking that? It was you? Yeah, right? yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I'll have it up there. So right stay tuned shortly for that. And um, yeah, love you all. See you next time.